welcome to episode Nick Backstrom 19 of Don't Mess With The Metro. Joined here by the usual gang today with Andy and Dan with lots of games on our dock to cover. And gentlemen, would you say you have had a life outside of hockey over the course of the past week? Um, uh, uh, no. <laughs> Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it's been it's been good to have the sport back. I'm at a loss for words about my own team, so that kind of waters everything down and kind of we'll get there soon. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know we'll hit that. Uh, but other than that, I know we have a lot to touch upon, especially in the Eastern Conference, um, even Western Conference. Seeing how Arizona's kind of played hasn't been too terrible outside of hockey. I finished up all that NBA stuff, so so smart genius. Yeah. Use, your tutor, use your tutors wisely as well. I'm trying my best here. I am now getting ready to get in one, and we got a podcast to record. Let's do it, boys. Oh, yeah. You mentioned a lot of teams, but you can't exactly uh, can't exactly forget the teams in our division after our own namesake. So, as you might see, uh, your boy actually took an effort and got his haircut after nearly three months for just his second haircut since everything went down. Just letting it, let the flow grow, patty cane mullet. No, just kidding. That would have exactly been a poor man, would have been a poor man's patty cane mullet, so. Not a patty cane, not going for the mullet? I mean, He'd rather have you, could a say it's start, you could say it started a bit. But. He'd rather own a lake and be Jonathan Tate's. Well, over the weekend, I was fortunate enough to spend some time on a lake, so. Take lots of similarities to touch forth in there but yeah i also keep put i also keep putting off uh, some uh, little additional accounting work i need to do not that i necessarily have to do it but kind of should probably do it to go over some things you know because that stuff is a little plus dense what was that assets equal liabilities plus owner's equity uh, well actually stockholders equity but yep it, uh, mm-hmm. just kidding <laughs> This game just messing with you. Oh, math. Who needs math? We have some plenty of hockey to talk about. Eh. As you might imagine, over the weekend, the qualifying round began, and and as well as the round robin, we saw a couple of te- we saw a couple of games from our teams, and then so happens to be that the first team out happened is a team that we tend to cover relatively densely. As everybody knows, this yep past Tuesday, the Hurricanes completed the three-game sweep of the Rangers in the qualifying round to, quote-unquote, as they said on the broadcast, qualify for the playoffs. After all, why else is it the qualifying round? Yet we still count these stats as playoff games. Blows my mind. But anyways, there's a lot of different opinions back and forth on how many how many people of your like mindset were going into this series. Some seemed overly confident, and then recently it seemed that some were sort of anticipating this from the beginning, but I, but based on what we talked about a couple of days ago, it sounded like you guys were more of the thought of the latter. Would you say that's the case? Well, after the uh, first game, I thought, all right, you know what? They played close. They look garbage, but if they still played them close while looking like garbage, then they'll stay in it. First period of the second game, you know what? They're hanging with them close. And then, like, three minutes into the second game when I uh, came back from getting lunch while I was at work, I checked my phone and said, okay, well, this season's over. 
Um, yeah, that was, that was not an ideal end. However, I did some thinking and after going through the five stages of grief, um, basically the way that ended, if they had to get knocked out in the play-in series, I'm fine with them getting knocked out early before they get out knocked out first round. Cause there's a possibility that if they go first round, they could wind up facing a team that they could upset. I mean, everyone knows upsets could happen as we'll get into later on with certain other teams, but it wasn't exactly the, um, it wasn't exactly ideal that they just go ahead and get straight up knocked out in one fell swoop. So that's uh, my mentality was sort of like, I would have liked to have seen them win a game or two, make it a series. If they get knocked out, they know what they get knocked out, but they have a moral victory as much of a loser idea. Mm-hmm. That is they still have it instead of just saying, I, we out and not winning a game since the world was yeah, normal. Was Mika's five goal game like the second to last one? Or I think so, because I think after Mika's five goal game, if I'm not forgetting one, um, they had that one go down. Then uh, the they played the Devils like that uh, Saturday. Then I think they uh, yeah they lost to them. They beat the Stars on the road, and then they lost to the Abs in OT, and then the. Uh, season was postponed and then this whole thing went down but yeah after that um I'm trying to think who else i feel like no there wasn't another game in between there right I swear it i think that's the series. their last their last game they beat dallas right they, their <laughs> last one was dallas and then but before that they had a game um i think it was the devils they lost to right e- yes they did Gotcha. And yeah, I was, I was going to say they didn't play Colorado. I think they were in Colorado on Thursday morning and then got sent home. I mean, the way that this whole thing has gone, if we're just going to talk about strictly the Rangers for now, I, for one, am not really angry per se. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to do anything outside of what I normally do. Andy touched on some good points and Again, that whole Mika five goal game. It's it's different for teams when you're on when you're on a hot streak. The locker room's in a different sense. I guess more united. You're playing. Momentum is a legitimate thing. You can't quantify momentum. It's almost impossible to do so, but it really really matters. This break did wonders for teams, and it did detriments for a lot of others. The Rangers were part of the detriment, and a team that they've owned and they had the momentum against in the regular season. The team was able to reset, being Canes, and they found a way to completely obliterate the Rangers. And if I may, you know what? I'm going to, I lie. I'm going to start to rant a little bit. This is thing about. <laughs> well, that lasted all of like one minute. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I have to say is grit matters. Whether you like it or not, it matters, especially in the playoffs. Very you want to find a guy optimally who has grit. And can handle the puck. That is your fourth line guy. That is an optimal fourth line guy that's going to ruffle feathers. You need people that are going to be able to keep their game in check, play physical, but also play in their own head. If you're, for example, if you're skating and you're going off sides, it might mean that you're undisciplined because you think about it. You're bringing the puck into the zone, 
and you you keep over anticipating, you keep going off sides. That means that you're reckless, which means you're probably reckless in other aspects of your game, regardless of how skilled you are. If you have one habit of going off sides or you know getting caught um, on the opposite side of the ice for some reason, that can mean that your game is reckless overall. And regardless of how skilled you are, that doesn't matter, especially when it comes into the playoffs. There's a different mindset when you're playing in the playoffs. Grit matters. You need somebody who's going to be able to hit, and you saw that within the first 10 minutes of the Rangers game. The Rangers are built mostly for skill. Everybody shits on the players that have been gritty regardless. But everybody also claims that you need a good fourth line. Andy, am I correct? Correct, yeah. The bottom six is really what can make or break a uh, cup run. I mean, look at the Rangers in 2014 when they had the bomb. Um, bomb six was, I believe, uh, Zuccarello, Brassard, and Pouliot. And then uh, uh, Dorsett, uh, oh. Boyle, and more. Like that bomb six, they did some heavy lifting, especially the third line was scoring goals at like really clutch moments. And the fourth line, I mean... Um, Moore and Boyle were definitely huge contributors, like big penalty killers, and they got a couple of shorties. They had the uh, game-winning goal or series-winning goal, really, against the uh, Habs. They were pretty much what the Rangers needed, and that's what will get you... I mean, that's what wins championships, depth. Mm -hmm. They also started the scoring in Game 7 against Pittsburgh. Am I correct? Yeah, Boyle's the one who got the goal. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and uh, Carcillo, you... I think, scored the game-winning goal against the Flyers that year. In yep. The series-winning goal. Yeah. It was... Oh. <laughs> no, I just remember game. I just remember game four when he went up to the glass, and then the Flyers fan was giving him the double bird. <laughs> that was yeah, game beautiful. Seven. That was game four. No, that was game. That was game three because it was in Philly. Three. Oh, actually, yeah, sorry, it was three. But then, yeah, yeah game seven, he scored the GWG. Exactly. Glorious. Right in their faces. Regardless, just think about this right now. Of the teams that are legit cup contenders, their bottom six is a good mix of grit. They're going to lay the wood on you, but they also know how to score. They get to the dirty areas, and they find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. And right now, if you're building a team based on purely skill, yeah, you're going to have a solid regular season, but what's going to happen when you come playoffs? Look what happened to Tampa. Tampa is the most skilled team that I think I've seen in a long, long time. What has Tampa done with that skill? The Islanders. Islanders now have great skill, but everybody compliments their fourth line, correct? Yeah, inconsistent. They have hitters. They have scorers, but they don't have a mix of both. You need that mix. The Toronto Maple Leafs. How top-heavy is that team? When you have a line of Technically, Tavares, Marner, and Matthews, that's an all-star line. What does their bottom six have? How deep can you go without a bottom six? You need a complete team. We keep talking about how goaltenders, you need a goaltender to make it. What about the bottom six? We've completely neglected that. Ian, your cap's bottom six. What's your ideal bottom six right now for the playoffs? What is my ideal bottom six for the playoffs? Well... What's an ideal third or fourth line? Well, I'm going to be biased and then go back to our cup run when, no, Burkowski wasn't third line. I just remember, I just remember the game winning goal in the final. And, 
you know, it's like we had Brett Conley, Lars Eller, playoff Devontae Smith Pelly, and playoff Devontae Smith Pelly. Six, if I'm not mistaken, is what Haglin, Boyd, and Kovalchuk. I think I thought Kovalchuk was like second line, but well, yeah, Boyd, yeah, Boyd was inserted into the lineup in replacement Traveler, so yes. And you had um, you had Panic fourth line, right? Or third line was Panic on your third line and Haglin on your fourth. Either way, Panic was on the fourth. Panic was on the fourth. Those are all penalty killers. They're all guys who get to the dirt. They know how to skate. They're skillful enough to put the puck in the back of the net, and they're physical, and they keep their game in check. They're that, really only – those players themselves are only really good for the penalty kill, that they're not exactly you – know, they're not exactly expected to score the way someone like DSP did in 2018. But to your point on grit, yeah, they absolutely do. And yeah. critique me all you want for not knowing my own team's lines, especially after watching their abysmal performance a few hours ago. <laughs> But you I just tried to watch. My excuse is I tried to whitewash it away. So that's why. That's why I'm just empty-minded. You can't expect th- that kind of scoring though from third and fourth liners in a seven-game series. Say the say the series goes seven. Getting four points out of your fourth line and five points out of your third line alone. That is what roughly just over a goal a game, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's nine t- nine total goals. From those teams, for from those um, those guys out on the ice. Yeah. If you're um, serious, you expect. Yeah, sorry, your point on our third line, you actually had it correct. And then it's, yeah, Dowd's our center with Ponick and Hathaway. That was, that was what was put up there to, that was what's put up there today. I mean, I was just watching the game, and I'm pretty sure that's what I saw going across the top. But either way. That is what you need in order to make a run as well. We talk about goalies. We talk about a back end. Mm -hmm. You could have skilled players all you want. But at the end of the day, it's easier to knock a skilled player off the puck and take them out of their game than it is a gritty-ish player on the fourth line. And just looking... Yep. And uh, just looking at the Flyers' third and fourth line right now, there's third line is... Ob Kubel, Derek Grant, Joel Farabee on the third line, and then Connor Bunnerman, Nate Thompson, and Tyler Picklett on the fourth line. And what's really intriguing to me is that you don't hear those names very often, yet when you look at how good the Flyers have been all year, and in particular these past two round-robin games, they're def- they're probably doing something right if their team is contributing well, but they're, you're just not hearing much of it out of them. Exactly. No matter what happens, regardless of where your team stands, perfect example, I'm going to bring it up again, and I'm rambling fucking again, with Kraps. <laughs> All the Rangers fans, oh, put in Kraps off, put in Kraps off. That's great. Put him in. I think that he should be playing. But right now, in the playoffs, you're going to insert a kid that has not played, and again, playing over in Russia versus playing in America. You could say that the kid had great scoring out in Russia. Fantastic. It's a skilled league. There's no denying that he's skillful. But... He takes one hit from Tom Wilson. What's going to happen to the kid? He's 19 years old, taking a hit when he's keeping his head down because he's used to it. His play is probably going to go down. Thinking. And Not again, only that, what, but also think about it this way: this is someone who's supposed to be our like in our top six in the future. If you're throwing him in there now, in um, a role where you either throw him in right away into the top six, where he's going to be outskated because he's playing a different ice than he's used to. 
he's not he hasn't been experienced with this so it's not like he should you're expecting too much out of him or if you throw him in at the bottom six or even like on the fourth line he's not going to be playing with people that he should be playing with he's not fit for that role like he's you're grooming him to be a top six skater you can't throw him into the bottoms like into the fourth line right away where he's skating alongside players that aren't going to be skating on like that skill set he shouldn't be skating alongside a greg mckeg he shouldn't be skating alongside the bottom because he deserves to be more along the second or third line like if you want to start him on the third line that's one thing but if you want to start him at the fourth line right away it's not doing him any justice that that's why when people were saying he should be playing like no it would it made no sense to just throw him right away in the fourth line and then think that he's going to be able to perform well when he's not like he's getting matched up against other teams that have higher line, like better lines it's not it, doing him any poetic justice or anything. i agree and i disagree i agree that he shouldn't be thrown on the fourth line but at the same time if you're going to have a player who you're grooming into a, a top six player what i've said before on the podcast you can go back check the receipts if a player is that good to be playing and he's going to be a projected top six player potentially bona fide first line player he is going to make the players around him better, regardless of what line he is on. You put Panarin on the fourth line, he is going to make McKegg better. Am I wrong? No, you're right. The only thing I would say with that, though, is Panarin right now is already at the level that he's going to make them better. With, I mean, if you put Kravtsov in a couple of years, then he would be able to, like, if he pans out the way they should, then he would be that way. But if you're only 19 and you're learning the game, you don't want to have him learn the game on the fourth line. You let them learn the game in the minors on the first, second line down there, and then call them up, have them play the third line, and then second line, and then work their way up to the first line. But you don't put them on the fourth line with, like, where it's the more more grinders, because otherwise yeah. you're not setting them up for success if you're putting them on that line. Like, I, I agree that you should have to. <laughs> exactly. You, you mess their game up, and that's what happened also with uh, um, out in uh, – Dallas, they mishandled Niku, um, Val Nikushkin really hard and wound up having to get, it took him having to go to Colorado to find his game again, where they realized how to properly use him. You don't want to have to do that with a skater that's as skillful as Kravtsov. Mm -hmm. I definitely see that point. I mean, Ian, do you have any, I can't think of anybody on the Caps that has been like kind of that role that's been potentially mismanaged i mean just to quickly rebuttal andy i agree that there's a mismanaging kind of thing to it but at the end of the day you also have to see what kind of player you have in a guy and throwing him onto the top six where again he could be outskated it's it's very very tough nowadays to throw somebody in and it seems like the third line is the best way to throw somebody in to try and get him experience you don't know what you're going to get if you throw him into the top six because of the players he's playing around. You want to make sure if you have a bona fide kid that you pick ninth overall, he has to make the players around him better. And by default, you have to put him on the third line because, again, if you're going to have a bona fide first-line winger, if he's 20 years old and he's putting up numbers over in the KHL, you expect him to be able to put an NHL <clears throat> line center <throat> into looking like a second-line center. For lack well, of well, I'm old enough to remember the time we all complained about how Barry Trotz was always resting our young players and rookies in favor for the older, gritty kind of players, and we all thought it was sort of ruining their development. If I'm not, mis if I'm not mistaken, it always felt like he was 
he was always scratching juice. He's always scratching juice. And I want to think of another forward in mind, but I'm probably going to say the wrong name for that. Or well, I was I was going to jump to that later, but if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jacob Verana might have been on like third. I've been on the third line at some point, like some third or fourth line, something really, really low. Maybe I'm getting my names wrong here. Burkowski is probably the closest name I can think of, but that was also in part because he was just very inconsistent. It really wasn't much of a coaching. Like we gave him a pretty long leash throughout the years, drafted him in 2013. We traded him in 2019. Like we played that experiment out quite a bit and then it was it just got to a point it just got to a point where he was better off in a different environment on a different team with a fresh with a fresh new start and I mean now I mean nowadays I can't exactly think of anyone on a roster that would necessarily be in that position I mean I would say that I would only say that I could really I feel like for you guys, Connor McMichael, depending on how he pans out, I we mean, all wanted we all wanted him in the lineup today. <laughs> I think, yeah, I was gonna say sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later, he'll need to be on our roster, either second or third line. And given the way of getting Kuznetsov has been performing since we were all partying with Lord Stanley, I mean, so, I mean, a couple of my couple of my mutual couple of my good. Close fan, close friends or fans have said this that trading him is not is not a is not is not a like wild idea. Right, we're paying him eight million dollars. It was great. He almost won a con Smythe in twenty eighteen, and then ever since, ever since it just feels like he's not been trying hard at all. And even to in today, even in today's game, he he lost his man on the second goal and as well as the third goal, and he ended up. And it sounded like he ended up get, getting benched in the third because he only played somewhere around three shifts. So it's it's not impo- it's not impossible to think that if he has another mediocre year, mediocre year, or even mediocre half of a year, that we would potentially sh- try to ship him off and then let McMi- McMichael blossom because he's been blossoming in the uh, blossoming in the OHL too. Yeah. So it's totally not far fetched, but. We speak about players. We we speak, yeah. No, I agree completely. And one of the things that you touched on when you mentioned Verona, I mean, I remember watching like 2016. He was pretty much a top line uh, scorer for the Bears when they went to the Calder Cup Finals. Like he was putting up great numbers down there. He found his game, and then when he got promoted, I think he went third line for you guys. And he, I mean, eventually worked his way into a top uh, two second. It, yeah. Right into the uh, sometimes second, yeah, sometimes second line, but like or sort of a quality, quality third line center because he he got because he had Kuzi and Backstrom up there too in 2018. Right, but still, it's something that like he, I mean, he's worked his way up. So that's why, like, my main thing with him was that like he played insanely well in the minors, and that's where he really found his game. He went from playing like. otherwise like a good game almost great in uh um juniors and then when he came from overseas he can't, comes here to the uh to the minors and he suddenly like really found his game he went mm-hmm. from like really good to great absolutely 
I was talking about shipping players often. Since I'm on that topic, gentlemen, Henrik Lundqvist, I would like to begin with my own takes first before I turn it over to you guys who have much better insights on this. This is just my suggestion. If I were you, I would try to find a way to trade him off to get something in return and to sort and to try to free up your cap space and and start looking towards the future with with your two, with your two young goalies that you got now. Just because just because of the fact you're sort of getting closer and closer to the end of that rebuild and sort of the sooner personally I think that the sooner you guys move on, the better. I think it was a smart move to try to put him in for the experience in games one and two. And then once that once it turned out that thing wasn't working, that it was that it was kind of time to yank him. I personally think if you still keep him a little bit longer, things are gonna kinda kind of drag out a bit. Only if you're able to get rid of him for for something reasonable in return. So I just feel like if you wait another year, it'll just sort of drag on your rebuild longer. And I mean this out of the utmost respect, obviously, but I'll let, I guess, Dan, I can turn it over to you, fellow goalie-minded man. This one hits a little bit different. I want to let Andy start this one off. Oh. All right. Well, first off, I'm going to um, counter with a respectful no. I <laughs> Starting off just saying no. Cause interesting, interesting. There's no reason to keep both Georgiev and Hank. Obviously, one of them's going to go. And when you look at it, like, which one, if you think about a rebuild standpoint, okay, so you're going to need assets. Which one will give you more assets? Someone who's on a long-term deal, who's at the end of his deal, and is only good for one more year. He was basically, like, the last couple of years, he hasn't been the same. But at the same time, he does have the experience. Or... Would you rather get someone who has proven the last two or three years that he can step into a semi-starter role? And if you're a team that possibly needs goaltender help, like pretty much all of um, Alberta, it looks like does not have stable goaltending. Um, it really doesn't look too good. Uh, in Nashville, might need it because soros and uh rene like i don't know how they're going to handle the next couple of years but they might need this sort of uh next goaltender to step in there are going to be teams that need another goalie even buffalo could use a goalie um detroit ottawa someone's going to need a goalie that's a young goalie like georgia you don't need Lundqvist to go to a contender because there aren't many contenders that need a goalie with that big of a cap hit. Even if the Rangers withhold like half a cap hit or whatever for next year, they're still not going to need him. So they're, they're, the teams that are going to be contending next year don't need a goalie. Well, so what if so you... That, so are you saying that you anticipate... Are you saying of the three goalies you got now, you anticipate trading two of them within four or five years? And of the three goalies that we have now, Hank's deal is up after next year. Yeah. I anticipate them riding out his deal next year. He'll be relegated to backup. But it, the only sense that it makes, like, why buy him out? There are so many players that have been bought out. Why buy him out his last year of his deal when we don't need to buy him out the last year of his deal? Because he can still be a serviceable backup to Igor. We have Shesty's going to be our future. Ride him. Have Hank be there as his mentor and be the backup next year. Let him 
earned the last of the contract that he rightfully deserved. Don't just buy him out and make it look bad because then Hank can retire after next year, spending his whole career with the Rangers. If he wants to play, he can play overseas, but he's not going to seek another like team here in uh, the NHL. If he gets bought out, he can seek another team here in the NHL for one more year, and it's just going to be – it makes no sense. Like, why buy him out and risk him and fracture also the relationship? Like, yes, I understand it's a business, but there's still some human element to it. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to fracture a relationship with the man who was pretty much the face of the franchise the last decade and a half. And the team, really the last two decades, the only time that the team has been relevant was the last decade and a half. They were garbage from 2000 to the lockout in 2004, 2005. As soon as they come out of the lockout, yeah, Yager had his insane season, but Hank was the one who was almost rookie of the year. Hank was the one that carried them from 2009 to 2000, um, well, 2008, 2009 to 2010, 2011, when they were getting knocked out early or barely missing the playoffs, but Hank was giving them a fighting chance. Hank was the one who was putting up insane playoffs runs in 2012, 13, 14, 15. Why why ruin all of that just to say, like, oh, well, we needed to go ahead and get rid of him for a goal. Like, you'd basically be saving Georgiev, who you're going to have to get rid of next year at either the expansion draft or if you let... Georgiev go right out Hank this year his contract's off the books once the expansion draft is up he's not going to be someone that you have to protect like it just makes no sense fiscally to keep to keep Georgiev over Hank it makes no sense from a trying to describe it it makes no sense from a standpoint of an organization to keep someone that you're going to be trading away anyways later on or letting go later on because you found your man in Shostorgan. So why keep someone that's just a passerby goalie over the face of your franchise the last 15 years? Just one thing to note. I also also thought that the supposed quote-unquote rumors or people thinking he was going to be bought out, I obviously never understood those because even if you were to get rid of him, why would you do it for – why would you not try at least do something in return or – have a team like fill a minimum cap. No, anyone who wants to buy him out kind of sounds like a bit much, but I fair point, fair total points that you make. I was sorry, just think I was just thinking, well, do you really want to spend five and I guess it's your decision if you want to spend five and a half million dollars on a backup goalie to basically be the team mentor or sort of be the catalyst, sort of be the guy that is keeps the locker room together in a sense. Yeah, it's not and it really doesn't make sense also like when he goes somewhere else, everyone's going to like look at him just being the backup there. I mean, he like I said, he's not going to be a starter for a contender. He's only going to be the backup somewhere. If he goes to a contender, then he's only going to be a backup guy. And yeah, you can he can be someone who can like spark them in the locker room. But everyone knows it's just going to be for one or two years and then he's gone. Like <sighs> And it probably won't even be for two years. It'll just be most likely one year to make a run somewhere else at a cup. And if he doesn't get it, then he's going to go back to Sweden. Or he could just go back to Sweden if you buy him out, but you've fractured the relationship with someone that's been a career ranger. Like, keep him in New York, his career. He's earned that. Keep him here the same way Richter stayed in New York, his career. The same way 
Eli Manning stayed in New York for the Giants his career, the same way Jeter, Mariano stayed in New York their entire career. Do you think with, he didn't, and I, off topic, but do you think with Eli, those sort of like last couple, at least those last couple of years, particularly the last year, was sort of worth it from the mentor standpoint of hand, passing off the torch? Oh, definitely. If you had, if the, the uh, Giants had cut ties with Eli after like 2018 and they bring in Daniel Jones, who winds up being his mentor? You don't have the same exact, like the same relationship, relationship. with. Exactly. You, you wind up having to have someone that doesn't uh, like unfamiliar with New York it, other than Alex Tanny might be his mentor and either him or Kyle Lalletta. Like, no, you need someone that actually has been with the organization to be the mentor. And it's like I said, it's, you can have uh, I don't, I'm not trying to like subscribe to cliches, but there is definitely a passing of the torch that needs to be done. And you can't just have that be fractured with someone like giving someone the unceremonial boot and tends to go on it always tends to go unnoticed amongst the fans and also underappreciated one thing that i might add in i still think that uh georgiev could also know that he could be part of the future if he knows that he is not part of the future if you want to bring up tyler wall or adam huska then you trade georgiev regardless if you like one of those two better if you like Georgiev, I would like to think that he would understand where they're coming from from Hank's perspective. And part of me really, really wants to hope that Georgiev would understand that Hank means everything to the organization, means everything to the fan base, especially people that are around 20-ish years old, and that he would take a deal knowing that a, sh- a short-term deal, knowing that there's going to be an extension midway through the year that's going to be appended. Um, I guess a follow-up question. Do you know what the date is for signing an extension that applies to the next year? Sorry, I, I do not know. Well, either way, say it's November 1st. With it In writing, I would hope that the Rangers could find a way to make this one thing work for Hank because they failed him every other time. Hopefully, they can find a way to do him right just once. The man's got everything but a cup. And the reason he doesn't have a cup is essentially incompetency from the top six during that playoff run. Mm-hmm. When you have a guy in Rick Nash who's making $7.8 million a year to be able to put up goals, who's supposed to be an elite goal scorer and can't do it. You invested money into so many of the wrong things, and the one thing you put it in right, you couldn't even support. Got to the point where the team around him knew that they were going to be bailed out by him, and it became second nature to just let things go and just try to look up ice and maybe get an odd man rush. All because of Hank. And this one just hits a little bit differently because Hank is the reason I became a goaltender. I'll be completely honest. When I was first introduced to the game, I mean, the first real goaltender I truly remember like studying and looking at how they played was... Kevin Weeks for a little bit, and then Hank came right in. And the way that Hank played, it was just different. My uncle introduced me to the game when I was 7, 8 years old. And Hank started playing consistently when I was 10, 11. So it's just to see somebody that was essentially kind of your idol Idol. Mm -hmm. growing up, have this be the end, it's... It's, 
it's more, it's like, you know, it's going to happen. And I don't want to sound like privileged. Like it's where I am today as a player and loving the game and just being just a student of the game all originated from him. Mm -hmm. And to know that that is coming to an end or being rumored to come to an end, that kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. I was telling myself the same thing. It's like, yeah, there's going to be a day where Alex Ovechkin is going to be rumored to retire or like go back to Russia or whatever, whatnot. And for, and I have, and personal note, I have, I happen to be a part of that spike in, in hockey, in youth hockey participation in the DC area. For a lot of people like my age, like when that day comes, that is, no matter how much you prepare for it, you are not going to be ready for that. You will be a grown, I will call it a grown man to cry. <laughs> like, honest thought. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. It's like, it's idle. Yeah, totally. You're idle right there. You build, some, whatever you build up with your childhood is likely to stick into your heart for life. Hank has no idea who the fuck I am. He has no idea what he's meant to me, nor will he ever. Nor do I have even care to try and tell him. Because that's not the point. Yeah. It's more of where he brought me to unintentionally. That's the beauty of the game. That's how you grow mm-hmm. the game. Yeah. I mean, I modeled my blocker off of the blocker that he had. Because I love the color scheme and I just love the way that he played with it. Like, yeah, he always had a great glove and I was always a baseball player. I was a catcher too. It's just, it's the little things at that point that... All of those culminated, and I wanted to mimic what he did. I wanted to mimic how he played. And just, like, seeing the slander and seeing how he's almost treated when he was once loved, when he doesn't even deserve it. Going back to the Eli Manning thing, Eli did deserve it. His arm died. He got hit multiple times. He was also failed. But Eli lost a step. He at least got a couple of rings. It's a, little, it's a little better than Hank's career in he terms of being treated. Eli found a way to make it work, especially in 2011. Hank couldn't do anything else outside of make the saves, and he did everything that he could. The team in front of him failed. Quarterback and, has a little more power than the goalie, but yeah. Well, yeah, because a quarterback can score. The goalie can't score. I mean, obviously, besides the rarity of it all, but yeah, the goalie can only stop pucks from going in. They can't will their team into scoring and really look at, I mean, say we want about 2014, 2015, I think was the real indicative uh, nature of it all. Cause game, people five talk and about, seven, oh. game five and seven at home versus Tampa, your goalie is exactly. not going to really, prevent you from scoring zero goals in your final two home games. So I don't mean, I don't say that to be rubbing it in or being painful. It's just the I truth. Agree. Your goalie is not going to help completely. you from, you know, I said it already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, though. Like, even before that, people talk about how in 2015 that the best year the Rangers ever had was uh, when Cam Talbot was starting in that. Meanwhile, the offense that year was putting up great numbers, like insane. Uh, I mean, there are games that the Rangers winning like 5-4 or 4-3 because Talbot was laying in a good amount of goals. Earlier on in the season, when they went on like a, I think a seven-game winning streak throughout December, like, the Rangers were dominating then because they had Hank and Nett winning them the close games. They go into the playoffs. Hank was getting them close wins, and there were games that they shouldn't have even had a chance against, like the Cap Series. They barely squeaked by that one. The Penn Series, they had to go to overtime twice to win that one. 
and kept him in it. And even against the uh, the Lightning, he still was the only one who has showed up game five and seven because, well, no one, no one else sure as hell did. I mean, I mean, I mean the cap, yeah, back to the, I mean, yeah, back to the Caps series. It's like what games three and four on the road, zero goals in game three, and then one goal in game four. I mean, like, and in then, game five, he was one minute and forty-one seconds away from yeah, having no goals in that one. And, like, no goals in that one too. Like they, I mean, we obviously should have. I mean, Joel Joel Werder's also pushed into him. I'll just put that out there. But anyways, that's a different topic for later. Yeah, like they could have. You guys could have easily been totally thrown off the hook then because of lack of freaking goal scoring. And I mean, game seven was another example too. That game was 1-1. Like, Caps Rangers was literally the epitome of these, like, 2-1, 3-2 games, which always consisted of Lundqvist just, I don't know, it's like standing on his head, any, and then me having to be so irritated about the Henry, Henry chance, which was just ugh, traumatizing back then at the time. And, and then, you know, it's like there are those times where Ovi is able to pop one in, and it's just like, oh, this is good. And it just tends to be a showdown between the two stars. And I literally, literally watching all those series, it always seemed like, as I've mentioned a million times, the Rangers were so reliant on their defense and their goaltending. And it's like, you know, and I look back and it's like, you know, they at least ha- if they had a couple players like half the skill of somebody like Alex Vetchin or Sidney Crosby, they win two cups in the 2010s at at least at like. Mid, mid-range, one at minimum, three at max. And I just, oh yeah, and then everybody likes to go, oh, tur, 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 tur. he gave up six goals in game three. Yeah, sure, but that's one game versus the, your entire team not being able to put up a goal on your last two games on home ice when you were President's Trophy winners, and this was supposed to be your revenge year to get back to the Stanley Cup final, one of your, and with, with the time ticking on it, and you just blew it. You straight up blew it. It was just gone from there. You just everything. Ruined. I still and back to uh, back to Dan's point about like the fact that he is. I mean, comparing him to Eli, like between him and really Dan growing up being uh, having him uh, be his like idol to why he uh, became a goalie. Basically, like Hank. For me, uh, someone that's like in his mid twenties, Hank was the one that like I'll always remember with the Rangers growing up at, and like middle school, high school, college, after college. Like he's been the one who I've most associated with the Rangers with. I grew up and at the time the Rangers were garbage when I was a kid. So when they finally became good, I I automatically thought like of a couple of players, um, Yager, when they got uh, Sky Gomez. Um, they went out and signed uh, Marion Gabrick. Ryan Callahan came to assist them. They signed Brad Richards. But the one consistent through all this was Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. He's always going to be the one that will associate with the Rangers. And he's going to be the one that, is, I mean, that's why they need to do him justice and let him go out on his terms. If he yeah. says that he wants to go overseas and they want to buy him out so he can go back to Sweden to win a cup with his brother over there by all means go for it if he wants to like go to a contender it's going to be heartbreaking but at the same time he would have I mean I feel like in that way 
he would have already told them back in 2018. They could have traded him when they wrote the whole, when they did the whole letter thing, and they were fire sailing everything back then. They could have traded him back then. They suck with so, him. So exactly, they cons- no, they had no, to have consulted they didn't him. Say Hank wanted to stay. They gave him the option to go out, and Hank decided yeah. to stay. There's exactly, they they could have. Yeah, they consulted him, and they told like they consulted him before, and he said he wanted to stay. That's why even like last year, there was an option. There were rumors that like he might have been uh, headed to um, Columbus in that like first round series because they needed they weren't sold on uh, Bobrovsky, and as we see now, for good reason. But yeah, they um, they were considering trying to get him out in Columbus for the last three years of his deal, but he said, I mean, he said no, he wants to stay a Ranger. So you got to do him right after everything that he's done for this franchise. You got to do, right, do right by him. You know, the scary thing about this is that literally, like, right after Game 7 in 2017 for the Caps against Pittsburgh, we thought we were going to be having this very conversation, same conversation about Alex Ovechkin. I mean, because, yeah, because, and, like, it's a very similar, in, it's a very similar situation. It's like, you, now, even though he didn't exactly have a great 2017 playoffs, he kind of had a gigantic bruise on his hip and he had always played his heart out in the playoffs like the stats really showed it contrary to the popular belief like a goal every other game and nearly a point per game guy and really much like Lundqvist situation we we thought we were we eventually thought but we were gonna have to have this conversation of basically our star player like just was never never got enough support I mean early on because early on, it would always be that the Caps would get to the playoffs, the depth lines would get outplayed, and it would just be same shit year after year after year after year. And, I mean, like, even, like, tw- it's what, it's like 2015, for, it's like 2015, for example, guys like Chris Kreider would be able to score, like, less than a minute into game six to, like, make those big, like, with the Rangers down 3-2 in the series. They would have those players to make those plays, whereas we really, from 2008 to 2017, that really, for the most part, wasn't the case. Whereas like guys like you and a couple of those playoff series like had those players that made those big plays in key times. And yeah, they're, it's very similar. And it's always just tough to see your idol have to potentially go out like that. And, I, and the crazy thing is, even with even when those playoffs battles were happening, Lankos always seemed to be Lankos always seemed to be the guy that like didn't really frustrate me. It was just the rest of the entire Rangers team, <laughs> or mainly mainly some of their mainly some of their defense. So I, I think that's why it's very it's been very easy for a lot of us to I don't know how to say this sort of understand where Hank is coming from and really wish him well going forward whatever he does or try to give him one last shot at the next thing or whatnot. So it's totally always tough to see. Well, talk all the teams in the playoffs and the round robin. And one thing we actually haven't mentioned on is how uh, the Penguins are a little bit on the ropes with the uh, 12 seed Montreal Canadiens. I happened to be watching the game last night and it was the, uh, I mean, later in the game, it was totally the Jeff Petrie show, but really the epitome of the second half really showed you how hard work sometimes beats talent. 
and 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 if game four works the same way it'll really it will show even more i gotta say one of the guys that i work with right now is beyond shocked <laughs> a while ago he just came back from alaska so the four guys on freaking quarantine but then i'm thinking like the guy's on quarantine he's getting paid to sit at home and just watch hockey consistently he's from montreal originally moved to massachusetts uh, when he was like eight he responded my brain is confused don't know if i want to risk the cup or lafreniere but don't both don't have great odds yeah <laughs> so like i understand where he's coming from especially if you're in montreal like you want the kid to come home like yeah. this this is the epitome of what every Montreal fan wants. Like the homegrown kid, you want the French Canadian kid to come in and take like the old days. But at the same time, like, don't you want to upset the pens and like prove like, hey, we're the fucking Montreal Canadians. Like, don't fuck with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Uh, let's see. The Habs sneak in as the last seed in the playoffs, and then ride a hot goalie, and then could potentially beat a team with a generational talent. Uh, hmm, never seen this before ever. No. Yeah. The problem is the Penguins do not have Tanner Glass. That's the real issue here. The mm. Penguins were wrong with Tanner Glass. He could solve the Carey Price issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris Kreider could too, but. Yeah, that's true also. Mm. Yeah. I guess can't, no lies detected. But seriously, I honestly like between that, the series, and the uh, Chicago-Edmonton, it pretty much does prove the point that you guys made earlier where um, if you don't have the like the right depth, then you're not going to be able to go far. And they have all the skill power. Like a team of Crosby, Malkin, and a team of Drysau, McDavid can only take you so far. But if your defense, which in the case of Edmonton was not doing too hot, and in the case of Pittsburgh – has been abysmal. I mean, Jack Johnson has been, like, I think they valued him as a negative uh, player. <laughs> at, and, I mean, they're paying him a crap ton to be a negative player. But, yeah, they basically realize, like, the other teams are realizing all you have to do is just work around their defense and you're in the home stretch. And we really, and, like, we touched upon it in our previews, how, like, how, like, how easy will, Edmonton could easily be in trouble in the series if their depth doesn't show up. And even in these games where McDavid and Drysdale are scoring and they're still on the ropes, oopsie daisies. Want to point out uh, the Leafs just took a two nothing lead over Columbus, another Metro team. Uh, power play goal by Nylander, mm. or as Matt says, Nylander, because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> William Nylander, Northern Virginia youth hockey uh, legend. That's all I can say right there. I was just gonna touch up too on the Pens. If you're a Pens fan here and you're down two to one, do you low key want your team to lose, or do you want your team to win? Like it's just a legitimate question here because we don't really have a Pens rep in general, and I just think it's kind of interesting to see like if you lose, like you still have a chance at Lafreniere, and it would piss off the entire Metro. Let actually it would piss off the entire piss off the entire league. <laughs> but still, like you see where I'm coming from, like. If, if you're a Pens fan right now, like a 30-second answer. Sorry to, like, hijack you, Ian. Ian and Andy, 30 seconds. If you're a Pens fan, do you want to lose or do you want to win? Well, based on the replies I have seen, uh, a lot of them are not exactly happy with this. I mean, <laughs> your uh, urinating tree in particular has just been rambling. And, man, if they lose, 
that the congrats video he's going to post is going to be hilarious. Montreal. But I mean, it, but I mean, if our, but I mean, if our them, it's like you have Crosby and Malkin's window closing soon. Like, don't you kind of want to try to win as much as you can before they're done? Like, or would you would you really risk would you really risk a one eighth chance at a first overall pick for a absolute humiliation? Just well, food for thought. I would say every time that uh, like every eighteen or so years, it seems like eighteen to twenty years the Penguins wind up winning a ridiculous uh, draft lottery. This yeah. year happens to be a ridiculous draft lottery. So <laughs> it's going to wind up, the Pens are going to try and tank it just to get that pick. I mean, that's how they got. Um, Crosby and Lemieux. Yeah, that's how they got Crosby. That's how they got Lemieux. That's how, I mean, they some they were third when uh, they traded up to first overall pick to get Flurry because the Panthers just. Filed for, yeah, filed for bankruptcy, what was it, nine years before Lemieux and seven years before Crosby. Yeah, so, I mean, they haven't filed for bankruptcy yet, but, I mean, not for lack of trying from the state, but that's a whole different story. Maybe left, maybe the, maybe how the way this works is uh, Lafreniere will uh, not exactly pan out, and what will happen is they'll file for bankruptcy in. Uh, well, I guess that time has kind of passed now. Maybe, maybe what happens is that uh, Cros- Crosby and Malkin retire, and then they have to they have to do so in 2027 or 2029, and then they and then they get some absurd prospect in 2030 or 2036 rolls around, and then you take Obi's kid, and then I just try to set the world on fire. <laughs> Not really though, but you, you you catch my drift. Yeah, you mentioned Columbus. Uh, Maybe this game, uh, Toronto is good, and we sucked so far. It maybe sounds like it. That would be uh, another factor to point him. Islanders are also currently up 2-1 in their series over the Panthers. They have, uh, first couple first couple of games, they're really playing the sort of their, their A game and going to play, and Bob was also not exactly outstanding until the third period of Game 3 where the Panthers are actually able to take a lead and then manage to Hold on to it. And for, yeah, game four is tomorrow, so we will. We also have to see what happens on that front with the with the rest of the division in mind. And Andy, what do you have rolled up for us? It's funny they say rolled up because in this uh, tropical storm season, we find ourselves in rainy conditions and. Make sure they roll up your windows because, folks, if you forget to roll up your windows and you go out to your car the next morning and realize your passenger side is just completely flooded, it's going to make for a uh, ridiculous day and not exactly the start of the morning that you want to have when you're bucketing out water out of your passenger side seat. (laughs) So moral of the story, I'm not going to be offering rides to anyone anytime soon. Man. I man, I remember that passenger seat so well. I'm just yeah, feel so bad for it. I guess if you've tossed anything, it's this. Roll up your windows. Exactly. If I've taught you anything, it's this. Roll up your windows, especially during rainy seasons, because you don't want to have <laughs> a soggy, mushy piece of garbage passenger seat. I would have to agree. That reminds me of the time we left our sunroof open. And it rained in the middle of the night. Well, lads, I think that will wrap things up on this fine full week of action. Yes, 
Uh, sorry, we could not get to absolutely everything in depth detail today, but hey, I guess that's what it's like to. I guess that's what it's like to be fully loaded. But we wouldn't want it any other way. It's totally right. the sport we love. So. And again, everything that we say is all with the term allegedly. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly. It's the life, of, break is life alleged. of allegedly. Everything is alleged these days. Rumors, not so. But allegedly. Allegedly that. Hypothetically happens. speaking. Allegedly, this wraps things up, but really, it does. So, I hope everybody uh, enjoys the rest of their day. And uh, August keeps uh, counting back down we'll, as we move further and further into the playoffs. Take care, folks. See you guys. Peace.